Welcome to today's episode of Heavy Strategy, where we prefer unanswered questions to unquestioned answers. Today, we're going to talk about a, a great topic, a topic that you've probably heard an enormous amount about, which is digital transformation, Greg's favorite topic. <laughs> Greg, what do you think about digital transformation? Generally, I think that digital transformation is a load of bollocks. It's been one of those terms where marketing people have taken, there was something there, there's a nugget of truth inside there. But it's a very, uh, how will I say it, a flexible piece of truth because it's like that puzzle. You know, you look at it from one side and it looks like a square. It's like a cylinder. You look at it from one side and it's a rectangle. But if you look at it from the other side, it's a circle. Digital transformation is actually a fairly significant approach change. I, you know, I think it's mostly a lifestyle change rather than a technology change. But it also leaves itself open to being abused by marketing where marketing people can come along and just take it in any direction they like often without a good comprehension of what they're trying to say. And so we end up with the technologist saying one thing, executive saying another thing, and marketing saying another thing. And then, of course, customers go like, what? Right? And then, of course, you see it, you know. So I think that's the problem. So if you're if you're listening to digital transformation and you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. The, I think the challenge here is to try and come up with a working definition in digital transformation that sort of, explains how you and I look at it. I know yours is different to mine, so you, you kick off with your definition of digital transformation. And I don't really have a definition, Dad. Let me take two steps back. First of all, where did digital transformation come from as a concept? And this is actually important to understand because essentially what happened, you have, you have to look at the history of IT and the history of the CIO to understand where digital transformation came from. Mm. Back in the 1990s, technology was really, for the first time, was hitting the front office. You know, we had this computerization of the back office that happened in the 60s and 70s, but most people didn't see it. The front mm. office was still, you know, a guy with his secretary and a phone on his desk and his file cabinet and no computers anywhere. Well, in the 1990s, everybody got a desktop and all of a sudden you had technology that was out there in the front office. And we had the Internet and we had LANs and it exploded. Around about the time of the dot-com crash... CEOs said spending an enormous amount of money on this technology stuff. I don't understand it. I don't know how much of it's necessary. What are we going to do? And one or two bright guys, usually guys, stepped up and said, you know, I can actually reduce those costs, but you have to give me power over all technology in the enterprise. Mm. And thus was born the CIO. And the <laughs> yeah. CIO's job from 2000 until about 2015 or even today was to rationalize the IT spend and cut costs. Everybody thought, oh, the CIO's job is to deploy technology to enable business. Nope. That's never been the charter. In a few companies, he or she was allowed to do that. But most of the time, it was about streamlining the spend, rationalizing the spend, and reducing the spend. But what happened was capabilities started to bloom in the early 2000s and beyond. People started seeing what companies like Google were, and Amazon were doing and saying, oh, gosh, we're going to trying to cut costs, mm. spending 90% of his time trying to cut costs. They just started hiring people that supposedly information, which meant, hey, we want to go do what the Googles and the Amazons are doing. We don't understand technology, but we want to enable business. My main point here is digital transformation is what the CIO should have been doing all along if he hadn't been stuck in the corner cutting costs. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Okay. So I'll and take then it the a slightly thing, different way. I think oh, go ahead. extending that, a fundamental uh, premise of digital transformation is that computers become as core to the business. I think I've said this before on this show, as, as core to the business as HR or accounting or sales. 
there's a fundamental realization. Absolutely. That, that, that I would, computers and networking. That's right. The whole technology stack, software, infrastructure. Connected computers, connecting, yeah. Yeah, but connected um, computers, those are the two key elements. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to assume that your customer has connected computers, that you have connected computers, that everybody is walking along with mm -hmm. a, you know, intelligent machine and a, and a network connection. Yeah. Now, and that is the assumption behind digital transformation. That's yes. right. And there was, because the first generation of technology did what I call productivity, which was amplifying. So if you were doing accounting and you were doing it manually and a computer comes along and does it fast, accurately, more efficiently, and a speed increase, that remains of an aspect of digital transformation. You can still deploy more technology or outsource SaaS or use spreadsheets better to improve increase productivity of existing processes or to increase the speed, speed to market, time to market, time to deal, time to delivery using technology. Does that make sense? It does, but I, I have a simpler framework to look at this. Mm. The way I look at it as is there's three phases, back office, front office, and everybody. Mm. Back office was what you just said, productivity in the back office. Accountants' mm. lives were rocked by having computers in the 1970s. <laughs> Big the, change. Payroll's life was rocked. General ledgers used the front to happen office, once a year. Can you remember that? Right. They used to yes. once a year. The front office The front office was just the same until mm. computers landed on everybody's desktop. And then anyone who had a front office, their lives were rocked. But people mm. who didn't have offices like retail organizations or law firms, well, law firms in court or, um, you know, healthcare, they were still back in the 1980s but then along came, quote unquote, digital transformation when everybody and everything had a computer and now everyone's yeah. life is rocked. I used to call that the progression from, you know, IS to IT to ET, enterprise technology. But ET isn't as catchy a buzzword. No, as that sort of went out 15 years ago is when we used to talk about enterprise technology. What happens, though, is trans digital transformations now become something different where we now talk about creating entirely new products based on technology. So let me give you an example of that. We used to have letters, then we went to fax, which, you know, increased the productivity. And now we're at email. And email not only improves the communication as letters and faxes, but also we now use email for ordering, for closing deals. Greg, you know, email is not digital transformation. Talk about something that's 15 I'm talking about relative. Old. No, I'm talking about a, I'm using history to make I'm just a, saying. an allegory. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. And I'll but, give, I'll give yeah. you the worst one. Remember when we used to have people who used to sit down and write out letters, scribing, and then it became typing. And now it became word processing and there's efficiencies there for productivity. But new products are different. This is the area of digital transformation that I'm interested in, which is, and the one we largely talk about now, you could, all that yeah. stuff we've done before is largely done. That is all about improving productivity, improving speed, which leads to this, we've got to reduce cost using technology. It kind of feeds in, there's a circle there. If I can increase productivity, I can get more done for less. If I can increase speed, I can get more done for less. As long as you don't... know, no, mm -hmm. I I actually disagree firmly on that point. Mm -hmm. I think traditional IT is still caught in the whole cut cost, cut cost, cut cost, mm -hmm. and digital transformation by definition is enable business, enable business, enable business. Because you you nailed it a couple minutes ago when you said it's all about having basically new dollars. I, yes. I kind of talk about business as being well. I think that's know, what digital not transformation a whole lot going now on. is about. It's about, about the new dollars, the new digital transformation. You can. I look at it as though digital transformation happened 10 years ago. We're talking about a new digital transformation now, which is part of the mess that the word come into, right? Uh, yes, but no. And, and I want to kind of come back to, you, you asked me to define it and I gave mm. you the history. Yeah. So my definition of, of di digital transformation, it's that there's sort of core tenets that you can apply some or all of, but 
those are that data has value. This is brand new. Now, of mm. course, we valued data back in 1980. But what's different is the idea that you can give away a product because the value of the data you get from seeing how your customers use that product is higher than the value of the product, mm. which brings me to another principle, which is the strategic use of free. If you look at Google's entire business model, all they're doing is capturing eyeballs with better and better and better freeware so that they can sell those eyeballs at greater and greater and greater mm. dollar value to their advertisers. Mm. Free is, is inherent in digital transformation. Also, there's your favorite topic, which is the subscription economy. Everything's a subscription. And that's a key piece because that actually that actually stabilizes the revenue stream and changes the way you're doing business. And then there's the whole value of customers. We're moving from a model where the customers simply take what you have or ignore what you have. They're like little babies. They mm. either eat the food or don't eat the food and spit it out on you, but that's all they do, to your customers being effectively partners. And a great example of that, and also is brings me to my next premise is this idea of having customer created help desks there are software companies that don't even bother with having help desks because the customers love their, their technology so much that they will help other customers and get a kick out of it which mm. is strategic use of free value of customers and the next principle which is crowdsourcing yeah. and crowdsourcing is a key piece you've seen the growth of open source but there's a lot more to it mm. there's three more points which are the api economy which has to do with valuing and measuring how you connect to other other solutions and this idea of an ecosystem extreme personalization which we've all sort of come around to the idea that everyone who's delivering products should or services should be able to personalize those to a degree that really didn't exist a couple of years ago so the customer is really getting something that's that's unique to him or her yeah. and finally there's this notion of continuous delivery which is the idea that you never buy a product anymore you buy a it's product and it's done. future upgrades mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i mean for example feeds into that although my exactly general... they're all interconnected yes. yes yeah if you're going to have an api you need to be permanently connected and permanently doing something if you're going to extreme personalization then personalization changes over time so you need to be like exactly which is why there's you know these mm. eight principles and you can do some of them but each one will inevitably lead you to doing the mm. others and all of those combine to generating new business models capturing new customers and everything else so there's only two things i would add to that one is that we're also seeing digital transformation deliver completely new software products so look at things like snowflake or off-premise backup once upon a time, you had your tapes, you put your tapes into a container, they went into a truck and off to mm -hmm. a storage vault somewhere. Well, now you can just stream it out over the internet to a cloud and they'll hold it. And there's entire software platforms to do that, to take your backups off your machines and store them much more effectively and much more usefully than before. And Snowflake, of course, is the data collection app. So that's something that even existing businesses can do. They can look at what they've got and find out. So let's say you're making some sort of machines for factories or production. You can now put mm -hmm. APIs and sensor packages on those and then offer a exactly. new service to monitor them permanently. That's digital And that new service probably makes more money than uh, than the actual thing you're selling. For example, mm. tire, people that sell tires can actually put monitors on them and then they have the data of how those tires are used and where those vehicles are going and they can sell that to someone else who needs to know that. Maybe or a someone company, else or maybe sell it back to the customer as a fleet management exercise, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. To the so, same customer. I think the main question is, if you're listening to this, what should you as an enterprise technologist be thinking about? You know, here I am answering a question, but don't take it unquestioned. Don't take the unquestioned answer. 
I think one of the big issues is if you're doing digital transformation outside of IT, there's a problem in your organization. Because mm. what tended to happen was all these ideas were huge and valuable and cool and came along and companies said, well, my IT guys are busy, so I'm going to go find somebody who understands this digital transformation stuff. And I have clients that have hired ex quote unquote experts from Silicon Valley, and these people will come in and make a hash out of it because they don't understand the technology underpinnings. Your challenge is to get out from under the relentless cost-cutting drive into the business enablement, get a seat at that table, and start adding your expertise to, hey, this is how we can do this better, faster, cheaper, and all those things. And that's not a small challenge. We talked about that to some extent in show 40, mm -hmm. top mistakes technology strategists make. And we talk about when you outsource your consulting, that the consulting firm has weaknesses in the way they bring value to your organization. We believe, I think you and I more or less agreed, that you need to do the first phase of consulting internally and then bring in an external party to review it and shoot holes in it. So to straw man your internal consultancy, where unless you've absolutely got no internal skills about what you're doing yep. and you're just totally out. But the, the point that we made in that episode was... Only people who work in, in your business full-time understand how your business operates. So you need to be owning it and whatever. If you just rely on an outside report that says, oh, you should do this and then go, okay, here you go, IT, implement that. And they're just going to look at you and go like, there's no buy-in. No. And this is where yeah. digital transformation becomes rubbish. You get a fancy consultant team who says, you need to digital transform your product management operation and we recommend that you're, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the IT people are looking and going like, oh, I've got no idea. I don't. We just run servers and all of a sudden you're asking them to help design machines with APIs and cloud hosted operation. You know, that's not going to work. Yep. So execution yeah, of digital so, transformation is a topic that we may not have time to get too much into, Dave. Yeah, not today, but I think I think the who is something I want to push on a bit because mm. you're saying, yeah, you know, I agree with you. This is one of those cases where we're in violent agreement. Mm. You cannot have digital transformation if somebody comes in from outside and says, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big three consulting company and I can help you digitally transform. Yeah. Run screaming. This, because you're not going to get paid anymore to do that. Your well, boss the, isn't going to say, hey, you're now our internal digital transformation team. I'm going to increase your salaries by 50% because you're now doing your existing job and the digital transformation. Like, Well, I, you know, I don't think it's quite that trivial. I think it's more, more the point that you made earlier, which is, sorry, they don't know your business like you know your business. And to, you know, intim intimately combined with what your business function is, it's not, a, it's not something that can be imported wholesale from outside. That said, though, I, I want to push on the who because we can we can firmly agree that it shouldn't come entirely from the outside. But I would also stress that if you have a digital transformation office, which some of my clients have stood up, uh, you have a real problem unless the IT is largely in charge of that. And we actually mm. have research that showed even at the time that companies' digital transformation initiatives were much more successful if they had IT in charge mm. than if they had someone else in charge and IT playing a supporting role. And Greg, that comes back to your definition, which mm. I think is actually super important, which is in a very at a very short way, you can basically say that digital transformation is all about the realization that computing and networking is essential to every part of the organization. Let's say you were trying to make a new factory process, make a new machine for a factory to sell to customers. You would go out and hire a team of engineers to product transform, you know, to design that machine or mm -hmm. look at your existing machines and improve them. It's the same process here, except you're looking at technology. You definitely want to be involving your existing product engineers if you're building a new customer product. Why are you not involving your IT team? 
And I think and, this, and I, yeah. this is yeah, one of the key things here is that digital transformation is the whole idea of what happens in the executive team is that IT becomes a profit center, not a cost center. If there's one line that I would use for it is that technology becomes a profit center. That is, it becomes a product that you sell or that you realize that productivity enhancements and efficiencies are a profit center because you get more profit from less staff. I, I agree up to a point, and yeah. here's the gotcha. I see my clients that have tried to transition IT to a profit center crash and burn. In fact, one of my major clients this year just dismantled the whole idea. And I think that that is legit, and it comes back to the whole conversation we had in previous episodes where we were talking about how the notion of delivering a service, particularly infrastructure as a service, you're not going to make okay. Let need it to be there to do all okay, the other things. Okay, let me clarify that a little so, bit differently. Uh, yeah, please. Try please. this. Is HR a profit center to your organization? No. But yes. Is accounting a profit center to you? Philosophically, no. Again, no. Yeah. But yes. If you run right? it, if you actually run it, but if you actually run it like a profit center, you end up failing. And that's right. the problem. If you it's, say, HR, yeah. we're going to give you a million dollars and we want you to come back with a million and a half dollars, they're going to be like, I can't do that. No. But if you say, HR, we understand that you are essential and critical to this, and we are going to credit you with the great hires that you make that go out and start new businesses that generate $10 million or $50 million, yeah. and we're going to credit that to you. That's a no. That's no. different. So that's, that's like stage one digital transformation is when your IT team becomes equivalent status to HR, accounting, and potentially even the sales team. Because the sales team is a cost center. In theory, your product should be so good that you actually don't have to go out and sell it. And so sales is actually an overhead that you don't need. And we know that to be true now because we've seen a lot of technology companies have no sales teams and be very successful for certain types of products, but neither here nor there. The first stage of digital transformation is that you regard technology on an equivalent status to HR, whatever. There's a second stage of digital transformation where you say, hang on, we can use technology to create new products. And the company that I often talk about here is John Deere and what they've done with mm -hmm. their tractors. They've connected them yep. globally. They report yep. back. They monitor They've also gone and done some fairly, what I would classify as evil things, like if the tractor breaks down and you fit a third-party part, it won't work, right? You know. Yeah, you know, or your warranty suddenly gets voided or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or the one that's most egregious, if there's a security vulnerability and the tractor stops working, uh, you're not allowed to do anything yourself to get it working again, you have to wait. There's abuse of this, but let's put that aside for the moment, but that is an idea that... All of a sudden, your tractors have got APIs. You know, those plowing machines have got APIs. Yep. There's a whole bunch of new services and products that you can sell to farmers. Like, did you, did this, you know, plowing machine cover the entire field? And when? And was this field exactly. plowed and at the how right much, time? Exactly. And how much was it watered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As, as Greg and I show off the fact that we are not farmers. No. <laughs> but, you know, if all of a sudden John Deere can start to bring in weather data and say, well, you had this much rainfall compared it against they can start offering back a service to say we suggest exactly you, you know i want to push back on this whole notion as it is a profit center because i guarantee you that i that it is not getting credit for all those capabilities and all those fresh dollars that are coming in or the percentage of market share that john deere managed to capture it's not like somebody's going back to the cio and going well our entire business was transformed thank you very much for that 50 million dollars or <laughs> you know billion dollars go you know, here, here, go spend it on more IT. That's not the way it ever gets structured. So I think, but you, I think you've hit a really key point, which yeah. is there has to be a reasonable conversation at the boardroom level is, hey, if IT is so essential to the operations of the company and the creation and delivery of new products, we have to have a better way to account for that because mm. we don't want to be told cut costs 15% year over year. 
and still do all this, as you were saying before at the individual level, mm. you can't just go back to your existing overworked IT people and tell them to work twice as hard, yeah. nor can you go back to your existing overworked IT department and say, do more with less. It's just no. not going to happen. No, and so this you have is to have a reasonable conversation. Profit center, yeah. right? Because you have to be saying, well, this can generate. But it's me. not because the, pro yeah. the, problem with the, the problem with a profit center in a nutshell is not the profit piece, it's the center piece. Because yeah. the, problem, the problem with the thinking of IT as a profit center is you literally say you must deliver X amount of profit. And if somebody else is delivering it, you don't get to lay claim no, on no. it. So but, you have to rethink how you're running the business. Yeah. So this is the tension between digital transformation and it's a spectrum. It's not a, it's not a flip-flop switch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a light switch on off. Right. It's a, I'm helping the business be more efficient and increasing productivity and increasing speed. And accounting. I need to get credit for that in some way that's not our standard, you are a profit center. Then of course, you've actually got two different IT functions and they're not necessarily exactly. the same. That tension yep, there between the two is where cloud off-prem cloud comes in. It's much easier for the fast moving, evolving, new digital trend, you know, second stage, right, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, full on new product is probably better in the cloud until it stabilizes and we know where we're going with it. And then you're probably gonna bring it back on-prem in the long term. And I know Gartner for a while was running around talking about bimodal IT, where it was, you know, one group was cost saving, the other group was business enablement, and they sort of dropped that uh, after a while. Which yeah, was AWS did a great job of. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I would, I would love to take that point that you just raised about mm. cloud and highlight that because, and we'll talk about this in in future episodes. But mm. essentially, a lot of what's motivating the move to cloud is not just digital transformation, but also escape from technical debt. Yeah. And technical debt is a huge issue, and it's what keeps IT from being as fully functional digital transformation as it could be. And yeah. that'll be a topic we'll talk about in the future. That, but there's in the a religious topic, in the meantime, right? <laughs> right? But in the meantime, I would love to hear from our listeners. If you have thoughts on digital transformation and IT's role in it, please let us know if you want to come on the show and, and share your thoughts even better. Greg and I kind of kicked this off by talking about the fact that it's one of the reasons we do this show is we like to talk to each other. We like to argue. Two minds are greater than one mind talking to itself in a, in a room, <laughs> and three are better. So if you want to come join the show, please do. Please go ahead and sign up. And Greg, where can they find you? Get in contact with us. You can send us some follow-up. That's packetpushes.net slash FU. Nice and easy to find. And what we're looking to talk to people is about, you know, the sort of topics that we've done on this show. Maybe you've done a digital transformation. You've got a different take. Or maybe you've done enterprise architecture and you want to argue. Or maybe you're coming into enterprise architecture and you've got questions you want to ask. And then we can um, take on those unanswered questions and then question them with more answers or something like that anyway. Yep. <laughs> And if you uh, also would like, we'd love to see you with the Nemertes community for heavy strategies. So just, just go hit the Nemertes website, click on the community link, and go ahead and fill out the application. Just mention you came on from heavy strategy and you are in. So and we look forward to hearing from you and yes, talking to you on the show. Absolutely. So, and of course, you can find Jonah at the Nemertes community. You can find me on Twitter as at Ethereal Mind. There's many more other fine free technical shows on the Packet Pushes Network on our website at packetpushes.net. We'd love to hear from you there. There's other technology-related podcasts ranging from Kubernetes to cloud as infrastructure to heavy networking and networking news. So get over there and check them out or just search for them in your favorite podcatcher, just like this show. Uh, just remember that this show is not part of the Packet Pushers Fat Pipe, so you have to subscribe to it separately, which you obviously are because you're listening to it right now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.